welcome to Revival Town Podcast. I'm Chuck Tate. That's Andy King. Chuck Tate, you're looking good. Andy King, thanks, mate. You're looking good, too. How are you? Yeah, doing good. Yeah, you know. But now today, we we want people to know up front, this is going to be a little bit more of an intense podcast. Tell us a little bit. It's, yep, it, this is going to be a, a, a heavier subject matter. And, you know, Revival Town Podcast exists to share stories that are making a difference that have yeah. impact whether it's people or movements right yeah and our, our guest today her name is amy nordhues and she is the author of a a memoir and it's called preyed upon p-r-e-y-e-d right preyed upon breaking free from therapist abuse and her story is um it's gut-wrenching it really is and she's yeah, courageously coming on to share it. I mean, it took a lot of courage to publish it, yeah. but to come on today and to, to talk about how she, you know, was recommended to a therapist, a therapist because of abuse she encountered as a child, and she was just in a rough place, and she goes to this therapist, and then it went south from there. She's gonna she's gonna share that. So we probably need to throw out a disclaimer for this episode. Yeah, and you know. I uh, pulled in this morning, uh, and I mean, you were like, "Andy, we're going to be interviewing someone. It's 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 going to be co- completely different." You had read the book, I hadn't had a chance to read the book, and um, so today's going to be a bit heavy. So, what we wanted you to know, I know we do have kids that listen to the podcast because most of us are fun and things yeah. like that, but. And this one is still fun. It is fun. We have some fun at the end. There's going to be some topics we're going to be talking about that um, you you may not want the kids. It's a it's mature mature subject. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, um, and Amy's is does a great job of sharing about it. And what's so great about this story is, I mean, it it is heavy, and it's it's really really sad the things that she had to go through and experience. But it's also a story of of hope. She did receive healing. Yeah, and there ha- there was justice. Yeah, and now God is using her to share her story with people like you who are listening today yeah. to help you. So um, don't don't turn this one off. Yeah, I would say turn your hearing aids up. Yeah, because you may you may know someone that's going through this, and it's not just the therapist abuse. We're talking maybe pastoral clergy it may be emotional abuse any type yeah. abuse this me too we too yeah it's yeah. gonna really church really too. help yeah church too yeah so um why don't you sit back relax uh, and listen to this conversation with amy nord hughes this podcast is part of the edify podcast network Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. All right, everyone, it's time for another conversation on Revival Town Podcast. Our guest today, Amy Nordhues, thought she was in good hands to heal from childhood trauma and abuse. Not only was her therapist recommended to her by a friend, but he was a deacon at her church. Instead of walking into healing, she walked into a nightmare of more trauma and abuse. Amy courageously shares her memoir, Preyed Upon, 
breaking free from therapist abuse. Amy uses her experience as a victim of sexual abuse to help support and educate others. And we're honored to have her on Revival Town today to share her story. Amy, welcome to Revival Town Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, we are honored to have you. And uh, I have to say, uh, I, I read your book and we're going to let people know at the end how they can get a copy and we recommend they do. And I just want to say off, off the bat, I, I'm so sorry that you experienced the things you have. And um, the, the book was seriously riveting, Andy. And I'm so glad that, that she gets to share the story with everyone. Yeah, we, we connected this morning, Chuck and I, we, we uh, knew this uh, conversation was coming up. And first thing Chuck said was, Amy's story is going to really impact some people's lives today. So, uh, so thank you, Amy, for coming on. I know yeah. this is a, a maybe, and you may have shared this a lot. So, you know, not getting used to it, but, but definitely there's been healing from sharing it to being able to help others. And we, we do appreciate you coming on to just go through some of this uh, today. And like I said, Chuck, saw me this morning he's like andy this is this is gonna be really good yeah so, so i usually um with with being so busy i listen to i listen to a lot of books on audible just yeah all the time all the time all the time so it's i i don't usually have time to sit down and and, and read a book um but i downloaded the kindle version of you of yours and um, i'm definitely going to order the hard copy and i'm going to order a copy to give to some people as well um and maybe we'll even give one away here on the podcast yeah in our outro, but, um, yeah, I was really touched by your story it really was. And thank you. Yep. So I appreciate your, your courage and coming on to, to share it. I'm so glad you were willing to, to put it into book form so people could get some help and hope. Yes. You know, I was recently, I learned that over 6,000 people a month <clears throat> search Amazon books for the phrase therapist who harm clients. Wow. And another 6,000 search the phrase, can adults be victims? So I know there's so many out there suffering in silence that are too embarrassed to come forward, too ashamed to come forward, too afraid that they'll be, you know, accused of it being an affair, you know, maybe even be blamed for causing it. So I am thrilled that my book is reaching some of those people that have been suffering in silence. And I really, I, I liked how you have a number of questions throughout the book and throughout each chapter questions that, that people are going to identify with when they, when they read your story. But I know this began, the, the abuse began as a child. So why don't you just go ahead and um, share your story with us? Yes. Unfortunately, when I encountered this predatory therapist at the age of 40, Um, he made abuser number seven for me. I was taken advantage of for the first time when I was just three. And then again, when I was 12 by a priest and, and then a swim coach, and it just kept on and on. And I thought, do I have a target on my back? Like, is something wrong with me? Um, I definitely believed something was wrong with me. I thought you are in a different category of people. Like, I don't know why, but these things are happening to you because, of something defective in you. And I was just on a quest, you know, to fix myself and to, to identify that defect, you know, and eradicate it and just reading books. And I did counseling when I was younger, um, antidepressants. I just, you know, never could 
shake the depression and, and never could like outrun it. And so when I started seeing this therapist, um, it was to work on a lot of that past abuse and really just a lingering depression that I didn't understand why I couldn't shake. It's like I'd prayed and I'd begged, begged God to take away the depression and the anger and the hurt. And it just never left. And so, you know, I just kind of decided God can't hear us and interact with us. You know, you'll just have to suffer through. Um, I also went to see him just to work on strengthening my marriage and, you know, issues surrounding parenting and things like that. Like you said, he was a deacon at my church. So I felt like I was in really good hands and um, the pastor's wife recommended him. Uh, my friends loved him. He was also a psychiatrist. So he was also a medical doctor. So he did therapy and he could oversee your medications. I also like wanted to ask, fit, right? I mean, yeah, I thought this is great. You know, I needed somebody to do both. So I thought this is great. Plus I love that he was a Christian leader because I had become kind of a passionate new believer in, in 2012 through um, attending celebrate recovery. Mm. And I just kind of, my faith was just kind of blossoming and I was just so excited that God was present and active and, um, you know, learning about the Bible started attending the church that where the celebrate recovery was, which was where he was a deacon. So I just am in this really naive, excited place of, um, working with this therapist is, has to be a God thing. Like it just has to, you know? Um, so he, He's kind of a goofy grandfatherly type. And, um, you know, I kind of accept that as eventually that becomes endearing and I don't really mind it and everybody else loves them. So, um, you know, I just kind of accepted it. And he started our sessions in prayer. He played kind of a father figure role for me. And in time, I got very attached. Um, I had never had a close emotional bond with a father. And so, um, and he was 20 years my senior. And so I, I was really drawn to that. Um, it wasn't until, see, I started seeing him in April of 2013, maybe around Christmas time. Um, he offered to rub my shoulders or my feet for a Christmas present. And, you know, everybody, when they hear that is like, what? Like, but I, I panicked just like probably anybody would. And in my head, I could just hear like, Amy, this is awkward. Like pick one, like just pick one. And, you know, so I would love to say that no was an option for me, but it just wasn't. And I really feel like when we're taken advantage of as children or abused as children, no was kind of removed as an option. No to an authority figure, especially is off the table. Mm -hmm. And just sort of, my brain just sort of couldn't wrap myself, you know, wrap itself around it. Like, is it more likely that he's being inappropriate or that you're being oversensitive? So, you know, I minimized it, rationalized it, just made myself pick one. And, and I said shoulders, and then I switched it to feet and I let him rub my feet during the rest of the session, which was brutal and uncomfortable. However, in time, I decided it was kind of cool that I was like more like a daughter and not like a regular client. Cause you know, when you go to therapy and you become so vulnerable with your therapist and so attached to them, which is normal yeah. and part of the process, you kind of deep down hope that they like you, you know, and that they're not just suffering through the hour. 
And, and you so felt, you felt valued so, by him. When someone like a therapist or a pastor. Yeah. And so you, you kind of want to be at the top of the list, you know? And so it's like, Oh, well, he wouldn't do this with like regular clients. So that, that made me feel good. And eventually I, it became commonplace and then time would go on and he would do something else. And I think like, for example, he just took off his shoes and I thought, what is happening? I mean, I was just kind of panic stricken, but then again, I'm like, Amy, like we're having a casual conversation in his office. Does it matter if he's wearing a full suit and tie and shoes? No, again, just chill out. It's not that big of a deal. And, you know, I never connected these dots along the way. I didn't know that I was on a path, you know, a sinister path. I, each event was just kind of a random incident. And then eventually I said, oh, can I take off my shoes? And oh, again, I love that I was different, that he probably felt more relaxed with me, more comfortable with me. He didn't have to be as formal and stuffy. Um, So it proceeds on like that towards about a year in, he has to try to morph the relationship from a father-daughter dynamic to a more romantic one, which was incredibly awkward for me. Um, I didn't see that coming in a million years. And, but I sensed he was trying to lure me like maybe into an emotional affair or something. And I told him that I wasn't okay with it. It bothered me. And then he'd kind of downplay it. And then I'd think, well, he's not, we're not really doing anything. So I guess if he feels strongly about me, maybe I mean, I don't know. As long as he doesn't, yeah, go ahead. Oh, can I jump in? Because I, I think um, will help our listeners is you know when reading your book, um, one of the things he, he you mentioned he prayed every session, but yes. he also was to to try to to help you digging into your into your childhood, and he talked about um, multi personality disorder or that you would have different there were different persons of Amy, right? So he would, you, you, and, and you would have a name, a name for like the three-year-old Amy and then, um, and then others. And then he even named some of these. So it seemed like, like, so when, when he mentioned the romantic thing, um, I, I know that he was like to the certain Amy, he was a father figure to another Amy. He was, you know, and that, so for you to try to process all that, it would be easy you know, obviously now I look it back, you know, what he was doing was, was, was setting you up, but, but um, I think that made it easier for you to go, wait, maybe this isn't as weird. He's, he's trying to help me because he would invite the Holy spirit and he would tell you that, you know, the Holy spirit is leading us here and let's picture Jesus in the room. And I'm reading all this. I'm like, Oh my goodness. This, who, who is this guy? Well, you know, and anybody, a lot of people would just, especially who had what happened to you earlier would, would, was, would latch onto him like that. But anyway, I, I just thought it was important to, to, to mention, mention those things. Yes, I agree. And you know, it, it's, it was so twisted, but yeah, you're right. It was the whole therapy process was on a spiritual level. We prayed, we, I imagined myself at, like you said, at three, at different ages of trauma, And I just had to say, you know, what do I look like? Just kind of describe myself. That is all very normal for therapy. Invite Jesus into that broken place. That is all good. So he started out with something that was seemed so good and so spiritual. And I thought that we were, I was having real spiritual experiences and breakthroughs. I 
thought I was really inviting Jesus into these places. And maybe I was on some level, but so I was very thrown. Um, you know, that was like another kind of blinder that he had up. Um, I thought everything we were doing was good. I mean, how could it not be? And he, but, but later in the therapy, he would tell me that he was loving me for Jesus, but not in an inappropriate way. Just, and I thought, truly thought God was blessing me with a safe, nurturing male, like authority figure, like a father figure. And he told you it was pure love. Oh yeah. Ours was, yeah, it was pure. It was Holy Spirit blessed. It was different. It wasn't, there wasn't anything inappropriate. It wasn't anything about lust. It was this, you know, kind of magical gift that we were being given. And in the early days, I was thanking God for this blessing of this person that's helping me. And I thought I was getting better. Um, so yeah, it really threw me for a loop when a romantic piece came in. Um, I was so confused at the time because I was trying to sort out, okay, what does God approved love look like? Like, I mean, we're just sitting next to each other and he might give me a, a peck on the forehead every now and then. Like, is that okay? Is that God approved? Or it was just very confusing. And towards the very end, it became more and more clear I was in danger. And, you know, then he flat out sexually assaults me and I know that it's wrong. And I, and I'm just beyond devastated that this person I thought was trying to help me with sexual abuse was abusing me. I just couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. And sadly, I reached out to the pastor's wife who I was really close to. And she kind of took his side, as you know. And I was so crushed that I went back to the abuser because I couldn't tell anybody else. Cause I thought, I thought if I told people what happened, what he did to me, they would start questioning me. Well, why were you sitting next to him? Wait, you mean to tell me you had longer sessions? Like, it just felt like it came back to, are you in, like, what is wrong with you that you thought any of these, these things were okay? Yeah. And you were like, he's, he's helping me because he really was helping you. But then obviously um, things, things, things turned. He had a plan from the beginning, but um, you, you trusted him. And uh, one of the things that you share was you felt like he was blessing you with ex with extra sessions and longer sessions. And that made you feel more important and more special, and more valued. Like, Hey, I'm not getting just one hour. I'm getting three hours, but then you were meeting twice a week. And, um, you know, yeah. And I can see how that would, how you, you could get sucked into that. And he was very skilled at tying these gifts that he would give me into things that I shared. So for example, I had told him, I felt like I was told how expensive I was growing up financially. So when he started to offer me the free sessions when my insurance stopped paying, I was uncomfortable. Yes. I went to his secretary and pointed it out. Yes. But then I thought, oh, he's trying to make me know that, you know, I am worth more and, and it's a, it's a therapeutic thing. And when he offers to dance with me, I think it was terrifying and awkward, but I thought, oh, it's because I had told him I imagined dancing with Jesus, like a father daughter type experience. So everything he would offer would be like, well, it kind of came back to me first. So what was it my idea or was it his idea? And so it was very confusing. And these personalities, you know, I just took it as, I, I knew I didn't have multiple personalities, but I just took it as imagining myself at different stages where I had trauma, imagining Jesus coming in and healing that person or that me at that age. But you're right. He started to name them. Um, it was, it was really weird. Yeah. And obviously disheartening that you told 
uh, your best friend, your, your pastor's wife, and um, they didn't, they didn't believe you or she didn't believe you at first. And um, so then um, did, did anything ever come up with like, did, did your husband ever ask you about the sessions you were having or was he just happy that you were, you were getting help? Sadly, we were completely disconnected at the time. Our marriage had always been disconnected and that was kind of part of what made me more vulnerable. I don't even know if I told him I was seeing a counselor. I didn't even think he'd be interested in that tidbit of information. Um, so yes, I'm sure he started getting suspicious towards the end, but I wanted to tell him so badly when I was you know, blatantly assaulted, but I just felt like he was going to start questioning me and like it was going to come across as my fault somehow. And so eventually I know I've got to get out. I know that this is heading in a disastrous direction. I know that the doctor is not being appropriate with me. And I reach out to my pastor this time and tell he and his wife everything. And I'm able to not go back after that. They sit with me for one of these three hour sessions and it enabled me to be able to break the tie because he called me and cried and guilted me. And I knew that I would cave without support. And then I eventually tell my husband everything. And at first he sees it as an affair, which was my biggest fear. That's why none of us want to come forward. We have to go through this betrayal and then we have to risk losing our marriages, our reputations, our friends, our churches. Um, but my husband eventually, you know, came around and understood that wasn't something I would have ever done or that I was looking for. He knew I was looking for a father figure and um, God kind of used this trauma to really knock our marriage like down to the foundation and rebuild it into something that was strong. And so our, our relationship is emotionally connected now. So that is a huge blessing. Yeah. Praise the Lord for that. Wow. And, um, and this therapist, was stopped from hurting anyone. Yes. It came out that there were others. Yes. I had the opportunity to speak to one other victim and that was, that was really helpful and healing for me. And I learned of others um, that I don't speak about just because, you know, I didn't get to talk to them in person. Um, I know of some who committed suicide and I know of some that were in the process that said, you know, I had longer sessions and it was kind of weird that my sessions were at the end of the day. And when we'd be done, the secretary would already be gone. So, you know, there were a lot of people that I know that I saved and, you know, people that would have seen him in the future. Did, was the secretary ever aware that anything was going on? I have no idea. Yeah. Well, um, I asked him one time, I said to the doctor, I said, your secretary must think I'm really screwed up. And he said something like, oh, she knows I, I work with only the very most wounded. Mm. And, you know, kind of in my head, I thought, man, mm. I must be really wounded. I mean, you know, it was like I kind of could see through the charade, but then I kind of couldn't. Yeah. And I was always back and forth in and out of, are you full of crap or, yeah. is, <laughs> or is this blessed by God? Like, I never really knew. Yeah, well, you do a great job of explaining that in the book. I, I felt that because you share your thoughts, you know, you're, you're reliving this and you're retelling all these, you know, moments in these appointments, but then you're also sharing what you were thinking at the time in that battle 
that what that was going on trying to uh, really you know trying to decipher whether or not okay is this is this good is this bad is this god is it not you know is this me is it just because you know and um you know how, let me ask you this how, how important was it when you told your pastor that he believed you i mean i'm so glad when i when i was reading i was so glad that he that he was in your corner finally um oh i know how um, liberating was that for you it was it was huge because i had such low self esteem that i didn't think i was a big enough deal just me for him to even have to stop being an elder i just wanted them to help me get out so i'd never go back i wanted to go on with my life. Um, I told my pastor, oh, no, it's fine. He can keep being elder. It's just something weird about me. He helps other people just just get me out and let me, you know, don't. And he said, oh, no, he absolutely will step down as elder. And yeah, like, you know, it was also, yeah. And it was also cool that he told me, I said, it's probably just some weird thing with me. He made some comments about his mom and maybe I triggered some weird thing. He said, no, where there's smoke, there's always fire. And I said, so you think there's other victims? He said, I know there's other victims. So that was huge for me. And a lot of people don't get that when they tell uh, like a church, tell a pastor, there were some hurtful things that happened afterwards, but I think that, you know, he did really right by me, especially in the beginning. The the church that you were in, it was it was it like a smaller church a a, a village church type of, or was this was this a like when this broke was the church like devastated or wow this this has happened here you know i'm just trying to for those that are listening trying to paint the picture so they understand the dynamic obviously of an elder if we take the therapist side of it an actual elder doing this what was that, what was that community like? Yeah, and I live in a smaller town, so I would say it's, you know, to me it's a bigger church, but I do live in a small town. But what was hurtful was that the pastor only went to the elder board with this. No one else in the church knew. Mm. So that meant that my story got to churn around in the gossip mill. Yeah. And it was extremely painful. I tried to keep going to this church in the beginning, like he's not going to run me off. You know, I'm going to go in there with my head held high. And it was brutal because I didn't know who, when people were looking at me, what they were thinking. The doctor and his wife had been there for like 15 or 20 years. I'd been there for two years. And so I didn't know what version people had. And, you know, it's interesting. The other victim that came forward, came forward because one Sunday after church, another church member approached her and said, Hey, did you hear about that girl that turned in Dr. Dolian? Did you hear she's done that to tons of doctors and something in her snapped. And she said, I don't know that girl, but what he did to her, he did to me. So you can go back to your source and tell him to stop spreading lies. Wow. And yeah, I was like, thank you. And so when we got to speak, I was just like, thank you. And it just angered her so much. And so I feel like, you know, although my pastor believed me and asked him to step down as elder, then I became a liability and something to be covered up. And I feel the pastor started referring to the doctor and I as sinners in need of help. And we just want to get you both the help that you need. And it was so painful to me that I eventually told my pastor, if you can't talk to me as if I am your own daughter, then don't talk to me about this at all. 
because you're like a father figure to me. I don't have very many of those in my life. And I refuse to be talked about as if the doctor and I are one of the same yeah. or, you know, the elder. Uh -huh. And he never did. He said, okay, I understand. And then, so, so no, the church to this day doesn't know anything except the yeah. version that the doctor and his wife may have spread. And yeah. um, the little bit of truth you can get in the newspaper, because although the newspaper did cover my story locally and nationally, it's so sensationalized yeah. that it, you don't get a lot of accuracy out of that. So that's what's so hurtful is that we then have to carry that burden. I feel like we then have to carry that scarlet letter. Yeah. Um, and it's not fair, especially when a medical board investigation has been done or, you know, there's a outside investigation that's been done. Just present those facts. You don't have to present my version. Just present what was found. Right. But that didn't happen here. So yeah. I'm scared. I'm not comfortable yeah. even in my town. I'm not comfortable at any churches here. I'm that's what's really or been the most damaging. Yeah, for me. so sorry. And, you know, the wow. church should have embraced you and helped you through it, especially a church that has Celebrate Recovery. We have a very active Celebrate Recovery church. I mean, Celebrate Recovery program at the church that I lead. And, um, you know, I'm disappointed that they didn't um, em embrace you and walk you through that that season. And so, you know, and, and you were a new believer um, throughout all of this as well. And uh, I'm just proud of you. I'm proud of you for writing the book and for telling your story. And I know that you're going to help a lot of a lot of people, a lot of women, perhaps who are seeing a therapist that is leading them down the wrong path or trying to take advantage of them. And maybe this is going to give them the courage to come forward, to say something, to get help, to get out, whatever, whatever it takes. So yeah. it's just, yeah, there, I really... oh, go ahead. Um, is there any kind of, um, of message that you would like to share to our listeners regarding um, any, any of that? Like, are there any kind of uh, perhaps, you know, warning signs that you would like to share or, any, or anything that you would like to, to con convey to somebody who might be in a situation right now? Like you were in where you just needed somebody to believe you, somebody to help you. Yeah, one thing I always like to say is that victims need to tell and continue to tell until they are heard. I stopped at the first rejection and mm. then just went back to the first went back to the abuser and I thought well nobody's going to believe me, but there are people out there that will hear you and will believe you. And you know, the first person I told said afterwards said I didn't think I could go to the elders with just that. And it just it just makes me wonder what does it have to be to be more than just that? You know, what abuse has to occur to somebody before it's a big enough deal, you know, to deal with it. And I also like victim to tell victims that they're not alone, that it's not their fault. There is no consent in a relationship with an imbalance of power, period. Yeah. And another way I've heard that worded is you cannot say yes if no was not also an option. Yeah. And it's hard to understand if you, you haven't been in it. I, I give people that. I just hope that they will, you know, read my book and, and just understand what it's like for adult victims to be manipulated because adults are being manipulated and groomed and hurt all the time. And we, we as a society just don't want to believe that that's even possible. We'd just rather say, oh, it was an affair, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it wasn't an affair. You were assaulted. 
you were taken advantage of. And I, I'm so glad that he was stopped and did and correct me if I'm wrong, but he lost his license to practice, didn't he? He lost his license with the, the thing that felt validating about that was that most doctors can reapply after one year if they lose their license, but he permanently lost it in my state and they've only issued five of those in 20 years. Wow. So that, that felt like that felt really good. And again, the medical board, complete strangers wanting to fight for just me. I never thought that I would be worth being fought for. And I thought, well, if there's a lot of us, then it's a big deal. And they would fight for us. But if it's just me, and I really feel like God wanted me to be the only victim in the beginning so that I would know that if it was just me, it was still a big enough deal. And so I feel like he let me be the one sheep because never in my wildest dreams did I think I had that much worth. Wow. Wow. Well, Chuck, I mean, there's so much here that Amy's talking about and like you mentioned, the book really goes in depth into this. Um, I know sometimes people can can jump to, well, let's just just pray and, and it'll all work itself out. But sometimes there is a time where we need to pray and and really be able to go because you felt you didn't have anyone you could go to except for Jesus. And yeah, um, and so Chuck, do you want to? Um, pray for those that may be listening, that may be going through this. It may be someone's listening and they're going through early stages of grooming and getting, seeing, wow, I need to do something. We're going to give some resources at the end of the podcast that people can, can uh, get, but make, you know, would you lead us in prayer? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Father, right now, we just come before you and thank you for the opportunity to have this conversation with Amy. And um, before we pray for others, we just ask you to, to bless her. I thank you for giving her the courage to share her story. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you were able to, to write through her. And we know that that the words on the pages of the book that, that she published are, are going to help so many people. But I just ask you to continue to heal her heart and to heal her hurt. Your word says in, in Psalms 3:14 that you come close to the brokenhearted. You rescue those whose spirits are crushed. And God, we just thank you that you're going to continue to strengthen her. You're going to continue to do to hold her up and to hold her close and to give her the peace of God that passes all understanding. And I just thank you for the, for the good that has come from this in her, in her marriage and her as a mother and the healing that has taken place. And we know Lord, that that's an ongoing journey. So we just thank you that you're her source of strength. And I just pray Lord that you will use her voice to set up divine appointments. I pray Lord that you will cause the right people to pick up her book and to read it. And I pray Lord that they will get the help that they need. And we specifically lift up those listening today who might be at the early stages of being groomed or the late stages of being groomed, or, or maybe they've already been assaulted. I just pray God right now that you will give them the courage to tell somebody. And like Amy said, if they're rejected, that they will tell somebody else. And if they're rejected, that they will tell somebody else. And I pray Lord that you will set up the right people in their pathways who will not just listen, but will help be part of the solution that will hold their hand and walk them through this to get the help that they need. And we just pray Lord, that every, every lie 
will be broken. God, any person that is manipulating and taking advantage of our people, we just command it to stop in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Chuck. Amy, um, I know, and you know, with your story, obviously, God was able to bring healing and a lot of the healing was obviously what you mentioned about the doctor being, you know, not being able to practice again and things like that. And um, we want people to hear your story even more. And, and the best way right now is through the book. We don't know what God's going to do with this story, but, you know, me and Chuck were, were saying something, something big could happen with this book for sure. Um, Thank you. How, how, could people connect what's you know I, I don't, talk a bit about the title of the book how people can get it where to get it website, uh, website socials just just tell us okay. tell us how people can connect yes it is called preyed upon with the a marked out and an e written in breaking free from therapist abuse if you go to my website which will you have it in the show notes um, yes, we'll yes, put it in the show notes. Okay, but it's www.amynordhughes.com. You can sign up to follow my blog there. I have resources there. You can reach out to me via email there. You can find all my social media links. Um, you can read chapter one of the book there for free. You can order a signed copy there for free. I mean, sorry, you'll have to <laughs> pay for buy it. the book, yeah, but yeah. you'll sign it. <laughs> I'm like, what did I just say? <laughs> um, you can... <laughs> Yeah, everything's free. Everything's free. <laughs> Sorry, you'll have to edit that. Um, you can purchase a signed copy of my book via my website. And then um, my paperback is on Amazon and wherever books are sold. My ebook is exclusively on Amazon and it's free if you have Kindle Unlimited. Right. right. Brilliant. Excellent. Brilliant. Well, well, people, you need to get the book. And, and, it might, and if you know somebody who is, struggle, is struggling right now or perhaps was abused in their past, um, then we encourage you to grab Amy's book and, and, and maybe buy it for somebody and share it with somebody, buy a couple of copies. That's great. Right? So, well, Amy, I wanna, yes, go, yes, yes. I wanted to say that um, the book speaks to a broader theme than just therapist abuse. I've had, you know, so many different people read it and say, I related to, I had some abuse in my marriage or even people that have not been abused, but they struggled with some of these low self-esteem, these negative tapes that we play in our heads. Yeah. Um, there is, there is kind of a message in it for everyone. It isn't just exclusively therapist abuse. Right. Yes, absolutely. Well, obviously a lot of people have, have got to know you uh, just from the, this 30, 40 minutes that we've talked, but um, we're going to do the big three because we yeah. want people to know, to know about Amy. you yeah. uh, aside from all of this. So, uh, so we're going to ask you three questions and uh, Chuck, did you want to start with a, a question? Sure. All right. So first question is um, what is your go-to restaurant or comfort food? Mexican. All right. <laughs> oh, there we go. It involves uh, tortillas, chips, and salsa. And then I sometimes eat the Mexican food after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we interviewed someone earlier today who, whose um, podcast is released two weeks before yours. And he is Mexican. He's from the Dallas-Fort Worth area and uh, travels over the country as a, a DJ music artist. And 
He was talking about Mexican food on yeah. his episode. Yeah. So it's funny because my husband will slowly pull the chip basket back and he's like, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I know it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, you've talked about a lot of dark days, right? With, with what went on. What is your, um, what is your happy day? What are the things that you like to do in a day? If you could go somewhere, do something, what would that be? Probably, and it, this is at the end of my book, but one of, one of my happiest days was after this abuse, God shows up for me in this really magnificent, cool way. And he knows I'm a photographer and he started showing me hearts in nature and I would photograph them and I have some amazing photos. So the hearts kind of caught on and it's something I look for and see everywhere. So everywhere we go, I'm, I'm known for looking through the rocks and my kids are like, mom, come on. But <laughs> I like to hunt for shells. I like to hunt for heart-shaped rocks. I like being out in nature. That's cool. All That's right. Good. Good. So speaking of that, so that my, my question is then outside of where you live, what is a, um, a favorite destination place that you love to visit or maybe a bucket list destination place that you want to go visit so you can take more pictures oh my gosh i i would just love to go somewhere tropical i've been to florida you know but i've never been to any of these other places where people snorkel and do all these amazing things that's probably where i would love to go but oh my gosh i i can take photos anywhere yeah <laughs> you know i mean europe i mean everywhere i just love it so. yeah england yeah, right, England. Andy, come on, Andy, that's it. Yeah, Coventry. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come I on. loved when I went to Europe. I mean, every building is cooler than the next. I took pictures. I have an entire photo book of just doorways yeah. in Europe. Yeah, wow. Wow. wow! Because the, the doors are amazing. That's crazy. <laughs> well, Amy, we want to thank you for coming on. We know you've helped so many, and are going to help so many with this book. Yeah. Um. So we're just praying for you, praying that God puts that book in the right hands of people so that they find healing and hope as well. So Amy, thank you so much for coming on to revival town podcast today. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you, Amy. All right, guys, one more time, make sure you go to amynordhues.com, amynordhues.com, get the book, get the information. It's going to be good. Yeah, that um, was good. And what we wanted to do real quick was there may be someone that is listening or watching that um, is going through some of this this stuff that uh, Amy talked about. We wanted to give a phone number. Uh, it's the National Sex Assault Hotline, 1-800-656-4673. Uh, again, one 800 Um, give them a call. If you're going through any of this and you're like, I don't know who to talk to, um, start there. And, and from there, um, you'll get help, uh, and healing. Uh, but yeah, incredible story of Amy. We hate what she had to go through, but yet she's helping so many more people now. So many people. Well, you know what's next? Dating his mate. There we go. Let's do it. So if you are listening for the first time. Or um, watching. Or watching. Come on. Hello. Hey. Um, this is where we um, do something a little different 
I don't. There may be a couple of podcasts that do stuff like this, but I think it's pretty unique. Yeah. Um, because we have an American on. Give it up for the Americans. Hey. There we go. Yeah, yeah. And, and give it up for the other. The other American who's lived in America for 20-some years, but who's from Britain. Yeah. From England. Oh, yeah. Come on. Give it up. Yeah. Give it up up for... Give it up for... And we do have people that listen across the pond. Yeah, we do. Thank you for everyone listening and watching from the UK. I mean, we've we've had people that have chimed in from like 90-some countries now and all 50 states here in the US. So grateful. We're grateful for all the Brits like you. Well, you know, know, we're going to do a bit of Tate and his mate. Tate and his mate is where... I will throw an English word, phrase. Congo rhyming slang. <laughs> I don't know how to, I still don't know how to say it. Rhyming cockney slang. Let's, R- let's try it, let's try it again. Go yeah. Rhyming cockney slang. Cockney. <laughs> like a cockle doo doo doo. You're going to have to spell it out for me. Oh, I know, I know. So, yeah. um, so I'm going to throw a word or a phrase at you from England that isn't over here. Yes. Okay. I have to guess the meaning. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Um, here we go. Hey, look. A, a raincoat. <laughs> <laughs> Did I get it? No. <laughs> okay. All right. No. Um, okay, here we go. You ready? Yep. The other day I was stuck behind a lorry. The other day you were stopped behind a lorry? Stuck behind. Behind a lorry. Stuck behind a lorry. L-O-R-R-Y. Lorry stuck behind a lorry. I was going to guess train, but no, you wouldn't be stuck behind a train. You would be stuck waiting on a train. So I'm going to say if you're stuck behind a lorry, um, somebody who is driving slow, or maybe it's a kind of vehicle that drives slow. Um, I'm going to go with a tractor. A tractor? No. Ah! Come on. I'm going to give you uh, one oh, more time. Okay, okay. Um, fire truck? No. Okay. You're close, but a semi. A semi. Oh, okay. A lorry. All a right. lorry is like a semi or a truck or okay, something yeah. like that. Yeah, all so, right. So, yeah. So, uh, I so said you fire it. truck. Well, I guess. Well, man. <laughs> oh, <No>. sorry. <laughs> Uh, so there you go so there's another word for everyone i know some people are keeping like uh tabs of all the different words and slayings some of our our listeners have these memorized i i don't even they're doing better than me but we have had some good ones yeah there's been some really good ones yeah so well thank you so much for listening to revival town podcast today uh yep it was a little bit heavier but uh you know, praying that it helps some folks out there. And if you know someone, make sure that like that is in this this type of situation, make sure you are getting the book of Amy's to them. And uh, and talking about books and merch and things like that, go to RevivalTownPodcast.com. Visit our merch store. You'll be able to see all the different things that we've got on. Uh, it's not on sale as in sale, but they're for sale. Make sure you go in. Get them and uh, be able to wear the swag with pride. Hey, what, what are you looking on the... Uh, uh, <laughs> I see you're not listening. You know, and everyone can see you now that you're not listening. I was getting ready to say, I wanted to make sure I had the reference right. Psalms 35 says, Weeping may endure for a night, 
but joy comes in the morning. That's good. That's what I was going to say. That's good. Well, everyone, unless you're stuck behind a lorry. Unless you're stuck behind a lorry, <laughs> then you're shouting and you're. <laughs> 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 well played. So, so um, yeah, thanks for listening to Revival Town Podcast, and we will see you again next week. Next week. Can't wait. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Revival Town Podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, head on over to RevivalTownPodcast.com. Oh,